I'm Joe Lee with your play-by-play sportsman. It's not often that both teams in New York are the best teams in a respective sport. Well, that's exactly what's happening in Major League Baseball right now. The Mets find themselves with the best record in the National League at 18 and 9, which is four and a half better than the second-place Miami Marlins. The Metropolitans go into Philadelphia tonight to renew another chapter in their rivalry against the fourth-place Phillies. Probables: Taiwan Walker looking for his first decision of the season. And Aaron Nola goes for the Phillies. For the Yankees, they have the best record in baseball. Forget the American League at 18-7, coming off a loss last night in Toronto, but winning their fourth straight series in a row and rattling off 11 straight Ws before the 2-1 loss last night north of the border. Josh Donaldson isn't worried about his guys, even after a tough loss. Yeah, I mean, winning 11 in a row, that's, uh, that's no small task. Um, you know, I've, it, it doesn't matter who you're playing. I mean, this is a really good ball club. We came in here, played really well, um, losing a one-run game on the road. We had an opportunity there in the ninth to, to go ahead. Uh, I like our chances right there. Uh, today, we weren't able to cash it in, but, you know, the next time I'll be expecting this to. Tomorrow, the Bronx Bombers welcome the surging Texas Rangers to come in winners of four in a row. Garrett Cole looking to remain perfect on the season against Glenn Otto for Texas. For the Play-by-Play Network, I'm Joe Leo. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! I got him off the hit list streets once again. <clears throat> Man, my voice has been just peeking behind the curtain. My voice has been crap the entire day, but we're still powering through. I got the head man at the sports hit list, Carl Collange. I, just to preface this, I'm bringing you on. I, I'm not banishing you. Just because you beat my team <laughs> in, in the playoffs, I'm not banishing you. You, you talked a lot, of, a lot of smack. You got a video that I still don't like about about the sweep, but you know it is what it is. It's all love. And, which video? Uh, which video don't you like? Was it the one this, I did or the one my mom did? Because I didn't. Oh, have dude, it. the one your mom did's hilarious. The one that you did is just like it. Come on, man! Like, come <laughs> on, man! It's listen. Nothing personal for you, but but as I've said this before, uh, well, thanks you for having me on your show. I definitely appreciate the invite. Um, and we got to get you on a hit list show one, one of these late nights. Let me know when you're free. Definitely, always an open door for you to come on. I've had this problem with net fans for years. It's not just this year. It's been building up. And I say this to people since 2002, since Jason Kidd and them boys and Kenyon Martin and Keith Van Horn and, and, and uh, what was his name? Harris. What was that guy's name? Uh, I forget his name. Uh, was, there was a Harris on your team. Devin uh, Harris. Lucius that Harris. Was... Lucius Harris. Oh, Lucius Harris. Yeah, it goes back to when Byron Scott was coaching your team and I was in high school and we had to lose to you guys in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's how far back this beef with the net fans go. So it runs deep. This is a way for me to get, I finally had an opportunity. I think this is the first time we actually beat you guys in the playoffs. You guys always beat us in the playoffs. So I think this is my first time to actually stick it to you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But (laughs) I I do know that you were, you were defending your turf. I get it. There's a lot of bandwagon net fans that were talking a lot of junk. Absolutely. Every single net fan I knew was like, oh, Nets in six. And like, we didn't beat this team at all in the regular season this year. It's a different team. That's not why we're here, though. Your okay. team advanced. They just split home court against the uh, the Bucks. They they won game two. 
Jalen Brown went to another level. He was in the zone from three o'clock Eastern time until after the game. So with that, what do you think for your team to, to win game three and to advance in this series, what do you think the biggest X factor is for the C's going to Milwaukee? Well, honestly, I think, you know, it's the same energy that they had in game two. And uh, us Celtic fans, we question, can they keep up shooting the threes? And during right. the game, uh, you know, I have a group chat. I have a ton of group chats with a ton of Celtic fans. Um, shout out to uh, Vanessa and Pierre. They're my, uh, uh, you know, co-presidents of, of the Celtic nation. And, you know, we go back and forth in, in games. That chat is like we're sending voice chats, like we're getting upset, like we're, 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 we're happy. Like if we could watch games together, we could. Um, but uh, Vanessa said, she goes, you know, she gets nervous because you live by the three, you die by the three. And as quickly as they were making them and they were falling, they look amazing. Grant, Grant Williams was making them. Jalen Brown was making them. Jason Tatum. I think Jason had six. Jalen had six. As quick as we know they can make them, they can miss them too. Um, you know, in game one, Peyton Pritchard started off the quarter, went 0-4 from three, you know, and and, and sometimes we get a little tr too trigger happy in, in shooting threes. So uh, you're shaking your head like and, and I know because you, you see like, why is Peyton Pritchard starting off 0-4? You know, you're kind of like, why are you, you know, so quick? Like the, the threes need to come naturally and flow naturally. So we can make them, yes, but we can also miss them. It looks like we can't seem to get into the paint and and, and you notice uh, Milwaukee will start on a full court press and then they'll fall back. And then once we get into the half court, they set up where we can't get any buckets easily in the paint. You got Brooke Lopez, you got Giannis, you know, you got Bobby Portis. Yeah. So, I said, yeah, I, I, I get that. But like you do the exact same thing to Milwaukee. So like, if you're dishing it out, you should be able to, to attack right. it. Right. No, they can't, but it's, it's, it seems to be tougher for us to attack the basket you know, particularly down there. So we rely on that. If you notice the pick and roll, the, uh, like say Jason Tatum starts with the ball mm -hmm. um, and he gives it away and then he runs around to, to run around the screen so he can free himself up so he can get the open look. You know, if that's textbook, that's great. But sometimes you need to attack the basket. I don't think our free throw attempts were that, were, were that much in game two, you know, because we weren't able to attack the basket. Well, you didn't need them. No, we didn't. No, you we didn't, didn't need them, but you, I, I, I agree with you in this sense. And it's been the, the knock on Tatum at times is he seems to be afraid to go to the hole. And that is where he will go to that next level. We've seen it plenty this season and a couple of seasons ago before the pandemic. We saw how great he can be. He needs to consistently play on that level to actually be the superstar that you guys need him to be to, to win a ring. So I agree with you in that. And the reason why I was shaking my head before is I just don't believe in Peyton Pritchard's game. I, I think he's the dude at the Y that you're just like, really, this guy's giving me buckets. Really? Are you really that good? He's a, that listen, he's a spark shooter. I mean, he's no, he's no Kyle Corver. He's no, you know, um, Mike Miller. He's not, he's a streaky shooter. He's going to make a miss. I mean, you give him the opportunity. He can make a couple buckets. That's all I listen for me as my perspective, all I need is at least seven to 10 points from a guy like him. <laughs> You know, like, so you give me seven to 10 points off the bench, you do a couple three pointers here and there to keep us in the game. That's fine. You know, because he may seem to be running. A, a, it was a, what I thought was a nine man rotation. Um, Marcus didn't play and uh, Daniel Tice didn't play in the game either. And Daniel Tice's feet are not I don't think are made for this series. He has slow feet and he's not uh, he's not keeping up with the pace of Giannis. He's not going to put him to guard Giannis because Giannis is going to abuse him. 
So yeah, he didn't you play. Can hedge, you could hedge him in the post. You could kind of do what uh, the he didn't Nets play in game was. two and we won. I'm just saying. You didn't play game you, two and we won. You can, uh, the format for Tice is I would say watch the tape on Blake Griffin last year and just bully Giannis. You don't, we don't need you for anything else. We don't need you to score. Yeah. We need you to rough up Giannis and be right. a bruiser. But, so. but, 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 but the point I was trying to make about the threes, like I said, I love them when they're falling, but my question is can they keep it up? Because I don't again, think so. Not a back clip. Can't. So that means they have to score in the paint. You have to do a mid-range jumper. You have to find a way to get to the basket. And the other thing, too, is they have to stop missing free throws. And, and they, they do. And luckily, missing free throws hasn't cost them games. But there are times where, you know, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown goes to the line and they're splitting free throws. There's, there's no reason for that. I'm, I'm hoping Marcus Smart is able to go for game three. He's had there's been three days rest since game two. Um, and so he hasn't played since Sunday's game one. So he's had a full week of rest from being bruised. And banged up. Hopefully, he's able to give it a go in game 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 three because we need all bodies on deck. Uh, and and the goal is to honestly take one in Milwaukee. We take one in Milwaukee. We head back to you know um, to Boston. At least we could either head with a split or take two because taking two in Milwaukee would be amazing. But is it realistic? I think I think we head back to Boston for game five in a split where it's tied two two and we make this uh, a six game series. Uh, that was my next question. You you let in perfectly. It's like you know how to host podcasts. Listen, man. <laughs> Listen, we've been doing this for years. I, I kind of know your, your flow at this point, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, how do you see this series playing out? And when it's all said and done, who do you think is moving on to the conference finals? Listen, man, I could never pick against my team. That's just sacrilegious. I could never do that. You know, like, I could, that, like for me to pick against them, no. I respect I will, it. I, I, I will say this, though. It's very hard. I never want to go to a game seven situation because I hate game sevens. And my blood pressure is like, like, don't like I get all these text messages during game sevens and all these games. And I'm like, just leave me alone. Wait till the game is over to contact me. Like, because, you know, my blood pressure, you know, I'm watching my blood pressure is probably at a high level right now. I hate going to a game seven situation because it could mean a make or miss in a free throw and there's no other game that comes after it. So I like to finish it beforehand. We can get it done in six. I'd love to get it done in six. That means we'd have to win two games in Milwaukee to get that done in six. Right. So I think we win game three. At least we win one in Milwaukee. That means we have to win another one in Milwaukee in order to get this to a six because, um, you know, to, to finish out in six, I'm going for six. I think we do a split uh, two, two heading back to Boston for game five. And then we win game five and six and then it's over. That's just my, that, that, that's how I see it playing out. But, uh, and again, we have to take advantage of them not having their second best scorer and their close, apparently their closer in Chris Middleton. You know, there's a, like, like that's a, that's a miss for them. Um, and I also saw a stat where I think when Al Horford is guarding Giannis, I think he's like shooting only like 30% from the field or something like that. He was one for eight in game two when, when Horford was the uh, primary defender on Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Cause I, I still think of Al Horford as last year's Al Horford, the washed up version of Al Horford that we're not yeah, seeing no. in this playoffs. He no, no, Al Horford has definitely found some form of youth, and I'm, I'm with it. And I've always been a big advocate for Al. I think Al, even when he signed the first time around with the Celtics in 2016, I believe it was, and people were like, oh, what the hell you want with him? He can't rebound. But Al does the little things that we need in, in, in a player, where whether it's defense, whether it's locker room presence. He's been yeah. around the block for a while. He's been in Atlanta for, like, he's that seasoned veteran that you need in your locker room. Al can shoot. Al can post. Al can rebound. He does. He, he can block shots. He's that all around player that definitely helps the Celtics. And I, and, and, and I think he's so underrated, but, but true Celtic fans who watch his game, understand what he means to that team. And I think you brought up Middleton. 
he's the most underrated superstar in the NBA. He's the type of guy that you'll look at the stat line in the third quarter. That's debatable. I wouldn't call him a superstar. I would call him a star. He is the most underrated superstar in the NBA. You look at his line in the playoff game in the third quarter and go, oh, he's got 32? How the hell did that happen? Like, he is the most quiet. Like, he, the things he does go completely unnoticed by a lot of people. So, I, I agree with you. Middleton, to me, is the biggest X factor on either side of the series. And I think he sways it that way for either team. And my prediction is you're not going to like this for two reasons. One, I think it's going to game seven. And two, right now, if Giannis plays the way he did in game one, or at least 70% of the way he did in game one, I, I know that your defense is all world, but I, I'm picking bucks in seven. Uh, I, That's I say, okay. You're still hurt from the last series. I understand it. I get uh, it. I, I get it. I understand. I'm not even, I can't even be mad at you, but just know when net fans doubt us, we, pr- we continue to prove them wrong. So just let's let you know that. It's okay. All right. A lot of them in the Hitler streets because there are a lot of doubters out there. But like I said, I wouldn't be a fan if I'm sitting here saying my team is going to lose. And we're, we're close. We're about, what, 11 wins away from a championship? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as crazy as it sounds, and we've been here before, I've been around this team before to know. I mean, we lost to the Bucks in 2019 and five. Um, you know, after we won game one and then they won four in a row and we couldn't figure it out because Kyrie quit and it was over at that point. And I don't think this this, this team is completely different coached by uh, Ime Udoka. Um, we have a, you know, better flowing offense. I, again, I just think we just have to figure out a way to get into the paint. I think that's the key for me is when, when, when the game comes down on the line, do I believe the three-pointer will save us? I don't know, man, because as much as they fall and they're great when they fall, I've seen this team when they miss them, we lose games. Yeah, well, that's the, that, that's the rest of the NBA. And speaking of the rest of the NBA, let's go to the other the other series, which you're kind of partial in. I know your wife is uh, heavily involved in that series as a Heat fan. And the biggest question, I think, for everybody is, does Philly stand a chance, even with Embiid coming back in the mask? Uh, right now, the last I heard, when I was watching NBA on TNT, um, they said that, the reporter, I forget his, I think it's Chris Haynes or um, I forget his name, but he said he finally spoke to Joel Embiid and it's the first time because he could turn on his phone because the light of the phone bothers his eyes. Wow. He can't even play on a phone. Wow. We're, we're at a point where we're, and the NBA, I don't know why they did this, but game four is, game three is on Friday. They played, yes, they played Wednesday. They got a day off and then game three is on Friday. So that means now, yeah, game three for the Philly, Philly, uh, Philly Miami series is on Friday. Um, so Joel can't even look at the phone. Is he going to be ready to go? Maybe, but without Joel, it's a sweep. But even game four, do, you know, they're down three. Oh, he plays game four. It's over. It, it's still over. Yeah, there's no no team in NBA history has come back down from 0-3. And you're not beating this Miami team who's been playing well, number one seed in the East. You believe they could win four in a row with Joel playing game four? No, no. I, I, I don't. But I'm, I, I bring up the question because I think game three, it's the biggest moniker and biggest joke in all. Every game is a, is a must-win game. But really, I think if you go down 3-0, you're right. It's a death sentence. There, no team has ever done it. Uh, it would be funny if Doc Rivers, the, the king of, of choking 3-1 leads, comes back 3-0 and actually goes to the conference finals. There would be some poetry and symmetry in that. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's getting he's going to get out coached by Spoh's a better coach at this point. Yeah. They have yeah. so much together. And it's unfortunate because I was really looking forward to this series because, you know, Joel has never been able to be healthy enough or there's always some catastrophe with Philly, right? It's like they're like, I, I hate to say that they're one of those cursed teams, but you look at their track record, they really are. You know, Ben Simmons in the bubble gets hurt, they get swept. Last year was the Ben Simmons drama. They go to seven against Atlanta, they lose. You know, um, every year there's always something. It's either Joel is hurt or there's something going on. Why they lose to Kawhi off a buzzer beater in the semifinals when they had Jimmy Butler? I believe that right. was the, the luckiest. Right. Well, that's the luckiest bounce bounce in NBA potentially history. in right. NBA history. Right, and then Joel leaves the court crying. So there's always something. Now this year he 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 fractures the right side of, I think of his orbital bone. And one year he fractured the left side. Right. right. So it's, like, it, it's, there's always something with Philly where they can't seem to get it over the hump. And it's, it's unfortunate because you want to see a guy like Embiid healthy. He had an MVP season. I want to see him win MVP, but he doesn't play game three. What's going to change? Nothing. nothing James no, Harden's nothing. not the same. Listen, James Harden's not the same. And you know, James, the, the new James Harden. It's not Houston's James Harden. You had him on your team, which is why he's no longer there. He wasn't playing up to his potential. What we thought it was. I don't know if it's, if it's his age, if it's just, you know, it's the miles. No, it's the miles. It's it, the miles. He's not the same 50 point score James Harden that he was. He's not playing in that same D'Antoni system anymore. You know, he's playing in the doc system, which may be a little bit slower. Right. Um, you're not like he had 20 last night. That's not the James Harden we're used to seeing. It's, it's right. And he doesn't he, he doesn't have that pick and roll guy like with Embiid. He's got his dominant pick and roll guy, and he can. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan's not going to do that for you. No. I mean, he can for, for a certain amount of time, but at some point, DeAndre is older too. So I think unless James Harden is going to have a, a flashback moment to uh, 2015 uh, OK, um, Houston Rocket regular season James Harden, they're going down 0-3 without him beat. Like, the only well, life they may have. That's what beat. they need. Yeah, he, they need they need Harden to get, get on the way back machine and, and right. do an all-time performance. And even Tyrese Maxey playing well or even um, – Yeah, no. What's the guy's name? He's drawing a blank. What's his name? Um, oh, man, Tobias, Tobias Harris. Harris. Yes, yeah, even if Tobias Harris has a great – you know, well, he's like, had a good series. He's had a good series, and they're still down 2-0. So, for me, the, the X factor in, in this Philly-Miami Philly, Philly series is Harden. And you're right. It, he's not the same player. We all know he's not the same player. He was in Brooklyn at the beginning, but, you know, he quit on the team. He, he didn't get in shape. He was never in shape in Brooklyn. And so far, he's not in shape in Philly. And – you, it's the miles. You can't the, – the usage rate for him is at, at an all-time high mm. throughout his career. You can't continue to, to run that clip and still expect to be effective 12 years later. It's been 12 years of this. So mm. he's going to have to find a different way to, to become James Harden. Or even if it's him getting to the free throw line, we're you know right. we're so used to James Harden flopping his way to the line. I don't even think I don't think, he, I don't even think he's doing that anymore. Well, they, they they legislated that out of the they changed that with the rules. He tried to do that. I, he was did. flopping they like did. a fish. The, in September, in or better yet, or better yet, just drawing his body to get the contact. Right, I don't think you could do that either. No, he can't You're do right. that either. Yeah. He can't do the swim move where he's going right to left and try to and get you the, your arms up in the air right. and nail him. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that no more. Yeah, so. Yeah, you're picking uh, Miami. So your conference finals, Miami, Boston, the rematch, the bubble final. 
Yeah, the, the, the rematch, and we owe them for, like I said, this year, it's a redemption year because we got our redemption against the Nets. We're going to get our redemption against the Bucks. and I want Miami. I don't want, I don't want Philly. I want Miami because they beat us in the bubble and we should have won that series and we didn't. And that one still, I still have a chip on my shoulder from that series because we, we should have won in the bubble. I don't know why we didn't win that series. Kemba didn't play great. And we, and we, and, and we choked that year. We should have won in the bubble. That was I, our chance to win. I the think bubble. Kemba was hurt. I, I could be misremembering, but I think I Kemba I got hurt. He wasn't hurt, man. It was just oh, he, well, he was playing. Hurt. I think he was playing hurt. I think he was Maybe. playing through some stuff. I, but I, I told my wife this. I said, literally said to her, I'm like, you don't want, I was like, I want, I, I want Miami because they, because we owe them one. And there's no way I'm going to get to the conference finals again against Miami and we're, we're losing. There's no way. No. That might be some sleepless nights in the Kalanj household. Just yep. saying, just saying. I had to give her a, I had to give her a dinner every single time we lost. I paid up basically four dinners that series two years ago. I, I, I wonder what she may have up her sleeve for this one, but she wants it too. I know she does. Um, but like I said, we have to get through Milwaukee first, and I'm pretty sure Miami's on their way there more so than we are. Um, but as long as we can get there, I know my wife and I will make it very entertaining for the fans. So, Carl, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, now's the time to tell the people what you got going on. I know you got some stuff in the works, so uh, so tell the people what you got going on, all that stuff. Listen, there's a lot going on in the Hitless streets. Thank you to all the fans for supporting the Hitless brand. We have 11 shows, Joe, 11 shows that go on five days a week. Uh, you want to get some baseball, we got a high-velocity show on Sundays. We got a smoke and mirror show, which gives you a little bit of everything on Monday nights at 7.15. Uh, high-velocity is at uh, 6 o'clock on Sundays. Um Smoke and Mirrors on Mondays. Tuesdays, we have uh, Chirp and Chat, our hockey show that goes on at 5.30. Our Loyal to the E shows, our pro wrestling show at 4 o'clock. We're kind of on a hiatus, but we're coming back. And then at 7 o'clock, we have the Fan Zone. Wednesdays, we have uh, Sports Mania. That's another show that goes on at 4 o'clock. Um, my uh, on-the-court show goes on late nights. We do the post-game wrap-ups for the, during the NBA playoffs. And then we also have a pro wrestling injection show that goes on at 8 o'clock or 10, depending on the NBA show. Um, Thursdays, we get, uh, my wife's show, the B show that goes on for your non-sports content and entertainment. If you, if you want to, we, we do offer non-sports and, uh, non-sports related content as well. And we have the roster. It's the, the roster is for the NFL offseason moves. That's on Thursday nights as well. So again, like I said, 11 shows during the week. Um, and the master Joe documentary is coming out June 3rd. We're definitely building that up our documentary division. I actually just inked the deal to do a, a baseball documentary on a pro on a semi pro team that's coming soon too, as well. That's in the works. So a lot of things going on and I'm just definitely proud of the team and the effort for, uh, you know, uh, making, making our dreams come true. Cause we all have that dream to be sports analysis and we have the, uh, the tools we should do it ourselves. I got to talk to you about that baseball documentary. You got halfway through that. I was like, you're not going to mention the Master Joe doc that you've been oh, pushing? Of course. Listen, yeah. Matt, you, listen, June 3rd, both trailers are out right now on our YouTube channel. But June 3rd, if anyone wants tickets to the premiere, um, please contact me. Uh, tickets to the uh, there, there will be a premiere in Bayside at his dojo. We're doing a, a premiere for it. If you can't make the premiere, it's going to be available on YouTube afterwards. I'm really excited about it. Um, shout out to our professor, uh, Emily Deutsch, for helping us and guiding us through this entire process. Her class is amazing, and, and the entire Iona program is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I echo your, your sentiments. Emily is a godsend, and uh, I got I to gotta get a shout out from my guy, Andres, who I, over, the, over the past week, apparently... I didn't know that he, he you're his mentor. So my guy, Andres. <laughs> How did that even come about? Oh, are you in class with him? Yeah, man. Which so, class? Uh, the live production class. The how USPM did that even come about? Class. How did that how did you I, guys even make the connection? I, I guess I mentioned you and he was like, oh, you know Carl? I was like, do I know Carl? This, this, it's my guy. So, <laughs> 
Shout out Andres. And- yeah, what's funny is before you go, Andres was my student at Suffolk. Yeah, he uh, told me. Yeah, so he was in my class. And I remember the first day I met him, he walked in, I believe, with a Miami Heat jersey, and I told him to get out. And I was like, I'm not going to tolerate. And he had a LeBron James hat on. I was like, I'm not tolerating. I'm like, you're going to fail. And he's just like, excuse me. I'm like, excuse you. Get out of my class. And we've been linked to each other since. It was fall of 18. He went on to Stony Brook. And I convinced him, listen, bro, you need to go to Iona. And he's like, are you serious? He was kind of on the fence about doing his masters. I'm like, I'm in the program now. If this is what you want for your career, it's the best program. And he's there. So uh, I'm, I'm really proud of him and his progression. His show is actually sports mania that goes on yeah, Wednesday. He told me, he told yeah, me. Yeah. 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 So uh, great guy. Great guy. Shout out Andre. Shout out Stony Brook for, for more reasons than one. And Carl, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's a blast, man. Uh, I wish you best of success with everything you got going on and I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. You too, man. Like I said, man, the, the Hitler streets are open for you. Whenever you want to come on and jump on the pod, let's get it together. Let's get it done. We'll do. All right, bro. All right. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes and luckily, That's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. One more time, code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O-U-R at checkout. Joining me for the second half, or second block of this podcast, anyway, to finish up the NBA semi-coverage, I got the third, two-thirds the JNG show, Joe uh, <laughs> Ben Hammer, just like me right now, is slammed with, with, with thesis stuff. Again, shout out to Emily, we shouted her out in the first part. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. With, with Carl on, so... For this part of the pod, we're going over the Western. We went over Eastern with Carl Gill. We're bringing you on for the Western Conference because throughout our time together, mm-hmm. we have had spirited discussions about the Western Conference. I'll just Absolutely. I'll, I'll leave it there. So to start everything and to jump right into it, my biggest question, and we're going to start with Memphis and Golden State, my biggest question for that series is can Golden State stop Jaw without Gary Payton the second? It depends on if Draymond Green cannot get ejected, first and foremost. He wasn't ejected in game two. He I mean, wasn't. He was elbowed. But he, yeah, he got elbowed in the face. Uh, they, got, they have the depth. I think it's going to require a lot of rotation. This is going to come down to coaching for me because uh, there's the, I think the star power kind of balances itself out. John and Curry kind of negate each other in that aspect. I uh, would say this comes down to coaching. And with that, in that sense, I would have the Warriors probably asking uh, getting out of the series and maybe seven or six. Uh, the big thing also for me is home games. And I, since Golden State already stole one in Memphis, I don't see them losing a game in San Francisco. Really? 
I don't. It's that's still a that's still a raucous crowd right there. Uh, yeah, but it's not as it, what it is now in the Chase Arena or whatever the hell they want to call it now. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as old school. Or it's Oracle. it's not the Oracle. Uh, obviously not. I just think they're given their track record with closing playoff games at home. Obviously, there's some big ones that we've met that I'm not talking about. Um, they have they have what it takes. I think they still have the depth to contend. Whether ha- what happens in the conference finals is a, is a different uh, conversation, but I think what happens now, and especially because John Morant has the experience, because don't forget he had the series last year against Utah. I just think Curry is too well polished. He still looks like he's at the top of his game. The shooting is coming here and there, but he's been playmaking. He's been getting the rebounds. He's actually gotten a couple of stops. Clay Thompson's woes shooting-wise are very inconsistent, but I think he can do whatever they need him to do, which is when he was guarding John that last drive at game one, he that was what they needed him because they didn't have much perimeter defense. The switches will be important because Curry isn't the best defender. If they can get Draymond Green in a, in a less liable situation where you can guard John Morant and not have to worry about, say, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Brandon Clark on the glass, then – that's a good situation. That's probably the best case scenario. Yeah, but it, see, for me, and I don't want to discredit this Golden State team because they have the championship pedigree and they know how to win this time of year, but this isn't the same Golden State team. This isn't 2016. This isn't 2017. Mm-hmm. This, Clay Thompson is not the same player. Yes, he guarded John that final drive in game one, but Gary Payton the second was the primary defender. Clay mm-hmm. came over on the help side. So I don't think right now Clay has the same legs that he did five years ago. He's not the same defender. He's not the same shooter thus far in this series. He's really, really struggled in this series. Absolutely. And I don't know if you can switch Draymond onto Ja every single time down the floor and that be a recipe for success. Again, I don't want to discredit this Golden State team because of how great they are and what they've done in the past. But looking at this Memphis team, yes, they are inexperienced. Yes, they, they, they seem like a team going into the series that's, oh, they'll, th- this is going to be a, the big learning experience for this team. Th- this is what they're going to lean back on next year because they're going to lose this series. I don't know if they're going to lose this series. And I don't think that's crazy to say either, because again, Golden State to me, not the same team at all. Yes, they have the, the pieces are there. It's the same people, but they're not the same that they were. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, I just think that doesn't necessarily like paint the whole picture because you have new players, and it doesn't necessarily fit the exact scheme that it was six years, six or seven years ago when they won in 2015, and then obviously with the Kevin Durant years it's a different team but it also means a very positive thing because the Warriors back in 2015 didn't kind of have that bench presence or really like a second scoring option outside of Clay and Steph and that came in the form of Jordan Poole this year so I love Jordan Poole but this is his first real playoff series I think and he's been playing great it's not like it hasn't been a sustainable no he's been awesome no exactly and I think they needed that kind of energy uh when, the, when push comes to shove, and you could say they're going to have a trouble some time guarding John Morant, 
You could also look on the flip side. I don't know if Memphis is going to have what it takes to hold Golden State for another X amount of games. I don't know, man. I, I really don't because what the, what Memphis can do, it's the exact same thing Golden State can do. They can both explode for threes and you can't stop it. And it's just a barrage and that's how you win a game. So right. I get it, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, Ja cannot be stopped. He is a freight train right now that you can put whatever the hell you want in front of it. Ja's not going to be stopped. I think so, Ja's going to get his before you go on. Ja's going to get his but it also falls into the rest. Like, cause remember when we saw in the last series against Minnesota, he wasn't really the best player that series. It was Desmond Bain. Yeah. That dude's a killer, man. But oh, Bain's nice. I, I will say. Um, yeah, but you if, get a, you get a game from Bain, you get a game from Jaron Jackson, then you just need another jaw game. Like that's it. That's how you win the series. No, you're absolutely right. It's again, it's, it's all a matter of sustainability and coaching. If uh, the Golden State Warriors can hold it down for the next three games because it's still a one-one series i think this is going to go with the length i hope this goes the length really so what's your pick i'll take warriors in seven it'll be close every game it's really going to be tough to call but i will i will err on the side of experience steve kerr is still in my opinion probably one of the three best coaches in the nba i would take that by a mile i'm saying memphis in six and i'm not just I went against Carl too because he he said Celtics in six, I said Bucks in seven, and in, in, in those series. So I'm not going just strictly against uh, my guests here. I love you guys, <laughs> but I just I don't see it the same way you guys do. So I, so you're you were going to really tell Carl the Celtics were not winning a series. <laughs> hey, look, look. I mean, yeah, it's you know it is what it is. Moving to the other series, the team that I think I call John Morant a freight train. I think Phoenix is a freight train. Oh yeah. Um, is Luca enough to push past Phoenix? If you saw the game last night, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Luca's Luca's been doing it all. I really think like he he came back from the injury against Utah and he hasn't missed a step. And no, he's gotten no, better. Arguably, and he's, he's and gotten he's, better. And he's taking it up. Uh, yeah, he's taking it up a notch, which is even more impressive to say. The problem lies on one person and one person only for Dallas. Where the hell is Jalen Brunson? <laughs> I, I don't think that's fair. Again, his first real big playoff minutes too. And he, I know he had some great runs with Villanova in college, but it's a different level up here. You could say the same thing about, about Spencer Dinwiddie. Where has he been? I love Spencer Dinwiddie, former net, mm-hmm. but where they need those two to step up. Absolutely. And you also need Dorian Finney-Smith to step up. Like th- this team just seems overmatched and that's not a, it's not a knock on Dallas. Dallas is a really good team. Absolutely. They, were the, they were the team in the West that I think you didn't want to play in the first round or at any mm-hmm. point in this series because they'll give you a series. But Phoenix is just that good, and they are on a revenge tour that I don't think – as great as Luke has been, and he's playing like a mm-hmm. top three player in the NBA right now, I just think Phoenix collectively is that much better. In every aspect of the game, offensively, defensively, and coaching. Absolutely. I'm in total agreement with you on this. uh, I think this series is a wrap. I really do. I think it's a sweep. I don't think it's quite over just yet. I will never say a 2-0 lead is set in stone. The series is over. They still got to go to Dallas. Yes. Uh, They still got to go to Dallas. I think home games are still just as important. 
The Dallas Mavericks might sneak one or two by. I thought this was going to go the distance before game one. I was evidently mistaken. (laughs) The problem also, and I think that nobody tends to acknowledge this, Obviously, when you traded away Chris Stapps Porzingis, they, made, they took a massive step forward. I As a Knicks fan, I could tell you Chris Stapps Porzingis is not that guy. Um, but what the approach heading in for the uh, latter half of the season following the trade deadline was the Dallas Mavericks needed to take a step back to go two steps forward, which was what they did in making the trades to acquire Davis Bertans, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, so on and so forth. And on top of that, you're trading away Chris Stapps Porzingis, who was your second scoring option. Their best, second best player last night in game two was Reggie Bullock. So yeah, another former Nick, really good former role player. Nick. But he, you're not going to win a playoff game with him being your second best player on the floor. Absolutely right. No, you're 100 correct. Phoenix Suns are a well-oiled machine. I'm going to get my soapbox in here and give you this. I am such a huge fan of Mikael Bridges. I think he's so talented. I think he's one of the most skilled defenders in the league. I was so happy that he was nominated as a finalist for defensive player of the year, regardless if he didn't win it. um, I was so happy to see he really took a massive step forward, especially with Booker being hurt uh, for the majority of the first round against New Orleans. I think he took a massive leap and I'm so happy to see how well he developed. And yeah. Yeah. So who do you have for the, who do you have in the series and what, what's the, the games? How- I'll, I'll say sons in five. So a gentleman sweep, a gentleman sweep. I think Phoenix Dallas gets one and then Phoenix closes up the series at home. I, I mean, I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I don't think this series is going back to Phoenix. I don't, the, the way that Dallas just, they can't step up. They can't mm. step up to the level the ladder's just a little bit too high right now for, yeah. for Luca and the Mavs. So I have Suns in four. So my conference finals for the Western conference is Memphis and Phoenix. I have Phoenix in five in that series going to the NBA finals for your Western conference finals. It's golden state Phoenix how do you see that series playing out and who, who represents the West in the finals? It's going to be the Suns. Regardless, Golden State might have the best shot of coming close to taking them out in a series. I don't see a single team in the league coming out and taking out the Suns team. It's that simple. I think Monty Williams has totally changed the entire dynamic of the team. So that on that point, what what other team like before I go on? Who did you have with Carl coming out of the Eastern Conference? Uh, I have the uh, right now. I have the Heat coming out of the the East. Interesting to say. Okay, Saints Phoenix versus Miami in the final. I don't know necessarily what Miami can has that would negate what Phoenix has. Even no. Phoenix is my finals pick. I, I, I picked them at the beginning of the year to, mm-hmm. to win, and I'm picking them now to win because, again, they're on a revenge tour. Every, yeah. Everybody on that roster, more specifically Devin Booker, Booker mm-hmm. stayed on the floor for the entirety of that championship celebration. He soaked right. it in, and he go, and I, I think he said to himself, never again. I'm never, I'm never doing this again. I'm mm-hmm. never feeling this feeling again. I'm coming back next year. And we're raising this damn trophy and that's it. And that's for the length of the season. That's been the script. 
with Booker on and off the floor, with Paul on and off the floor, they haven't missed a beat. So I love Phoenix, and I, I, I'm picking them to go to the finals, and I'm picking them to win it. Would you take Devin Booker as the finals MVP? Because I think I would too. It, it, if the script plays out that way, if Chris Paul outplays him, give it to Chris Paul. But, you know, we, we get, we'll get there when we get there. But right. Phoenix, to me, I just I don't, see, I don't see a way that they lose. I agree. I'm in total step with you here. you know, knock on wood, catastrophic injury, I don't mm-hmm. see a way that they are not the last team standing. Absolutely. I think you, we, we were very well aware of the fact that with Booker out, he was the best player in the Pelican series with him out. Obviously that changed the whole dynamic. You could see now he's the best. He, it's between him and Doncic as the best players in the series. I don't see a team. I don't see a player on any conference right now stopping what he has and what Chris Paul can do. Because you got to take one out. You can't negate both. Even if Milwaukee makes it, and that hinges on the health of Chris Middleton, that doesn't really give me any indication that they got what can stop the Suns. No, I agree. 100% agree. I don't think there's a team, again, I don't think there's a team left in the tournament that has enough firepower defensively and offensively to, to stop what Phoenix has. Right. Gil, this has been so much fun, man. Uh, tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you. I, I don't want to – I had to do this for Carlos when he came to, to one of my classes. I had to promote your podcast for you. So I don't want to do that <laughs> this time around. Tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that stuff. Uh, give uh, my friends and I, uh, who are also part of the program that Joe's involved in at Iona College, we uh, run a fantasy sports podcast called The Four Horsemen of Fantasy. Follow us on YouTube. We'll be on Spotify soon. You can follow me on Twitter at G-E-E-B-E-E-418. I'm pretty funny, I like to think, but my likes don't tend to show for it. So, but I've been kind of going rampant about these playoffs and it's really fun. And, you know, definitely shoot me a follow. I'm fun. I'm, I'm pretty funny. Please interact with me. I can easily tell I'm a Knicks fan at heart because I will talk about, I will say one thing. I did recently retweet a thing where it said, would you rather have 1992 Jordan to start a franchise or Obi Toppin with 30 minutes? And I... <laughs> uh, you cut the tapes cut the tapes that's it that's it we're stopping there yeah no, no more that's... no more uh yeah so give me a follow sub to us on youtube uh i'd love to talk with anybody uh huge sports nerd again give me a follow gil thank you so much for coming on and as the playoffs continue to roll uh you'll definitely be we got to get the jng show rolling again man. nick is a busy man and i he really is. need to get him on he is All right, Gil. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Be well. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. By now, you're starting to look around, and there's some new music on the pod. First song that played in Gil was Nick's new song that he promoted last week, Firecracker. And this one by Jessica Gray. It's called The Garden. Quick backstory on how I found this song. was the Tony Kornheiser show last week. Found her music and found this song, which actually played this week on the Kornheiser show. And she was kind enough to send it along. So please go listen to not only Nick's song, but also Jessica's song. Again, Jessica Gray. You can find all of her music on Bandcamp, jessicagray.com, or jessicagray.bandcamp.com. 
slash album slash Wild River. Wild River is the album. It is out everywhere. You can find uh, music. This song again is called Garden, and it plays in my dad. Dad, it's your favorite time of year. It's the Kentucky Derby. The I would say the only secondary time would be maybe March Madness and tied with uh, NHL playoffs or just this time of year in general where we got both NBA, NHL playoffs and, and, and uh, baseball regular season. So you're, you're primed for this. This is, your, this is your time of year. Every year when the calendar turns to the new year, the first thing I do is look at when is the first Saturday in May so that I know when the Kentucky Derby is. So uh, I, I make a note of it so that way I know exactly what I'm doing on that day. Um, my second favorite weekend of the year, though, is Breeders' Cup weekend, which is in uh, that's the first Friday, uh, first Saturday in November. Uh, and th that's my Super Bowl. I like that more than the Kentucky Derby, to be honest with you, because it's two tremendous days of horse racing. So, um, yeah, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, uh, NHL playoffs, March Madness. Yes. So again, we're, we, we've we've entered your time of year, and to start this portion off of the podcast because this is the first time we've ever done horse racing on this show. So you don't it's use about yourself. time. Yeah, it's about time. We, we're breaking new ground here, and and the the biggest story going into Saturday is Bob Baffert being banned for for two years. And Tim Yankatine taking over his horses. Other than that, that's all I know of him. He, he seems to be like a guy that's just out of left field for, for the uh, Kentucky Derby. Do you expect him to do well, y Yankatine, with, uh, with Baffert's horses? Yeah, um, I, I think he will because uh, the majority of the training um, was done by Bob Baffert. Uh, and he's actually serving a not, there's a lot going on with Bob Baffert right now. Um, he's got a 90 day suspension. You know that his horse that won last year, uh, Medina Spirit, um, was uh, stripped of his uh, win because of. Uh, this drug, uh, beta Mesa scene. It's a long word that, uh, we don't really need to know, but, um, so that, that horse was stripped and, and actually subsequently passed away earlier this year. So, um, that, that's a whole other story, but, um, yeah, I, I expect him to, to do well. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, if, uh, a coach of a, of a major sport, you know, suffers some sort of, illness and uh you know can't be on the bench or in the dugout um or on the sideline um you know uh, the assistant coach coming in and taking over so um that that's i i don't i don't i mean it's a story and i know that it's going to get a lot of attention on derby day but um to me um it's it's not that much of a big deal i just the only reason why it feels different to me is he's banned i, I don't think and there's no there's no rules against Bafford, you know, calling him up and saying, this is what I would do on this day. This is what I would do in this day. 
this is how you do this, this, and this on Derby Day. But well, he's not allowed to. No, he's not. They, well, they, they are not allowed to have any communication. Are you sure if, about if, that? Yes, that is one of the, that's one of the stipulations here. So, um, the, the, if if they were to find out that there was any type of uh, communication going on, uh, I think um, again it, beforehand the horses would be uh, scratched from from the race, and um, if they found out afterwards, the horses would probably be stripped of of uh, of any type of money or um, recognition in in the race. So. Uh, I don't I don't think Bob Baffert is stupid enough to do something like that. I mean, he, this isn't his first time that he's gotten a horse pegged for. For PEDs during a race, but th that that's here nor there. And well, he's, he's had a lot of problems as a, a lot of trainers. So, uh, you know, I just I don't want to take this all and pile on to Bob Baffert. I mean, he's been the face of horse racing, probably the most recognizable face in horse racing uh, since, you know, he came on the scene in like 94, 95. You know, when I saw him at uh, at the Belmont Stakes when we used to go and used to bring you when you were, uh, you know, a baby, you know, when you first went to your first Belmont Stakes. So mm -hmm. he's been around that long. I. I would say Bafford is the most recognizable face in horse racing. And, and speaking on that, I know that you want to bring up a couple of other trainers that, that have some, some pretty good horses coming. So, in yeah. Well. Um, so the, the number one um, who has the favorite, um, actually the two favorites in the race um, epicenter and the trainer is Steve Asmussen. And he is the winningest trainer uh, all time in North America. So he has more wins than anybody. He did that uh, last year. He achieved that success. So um, he's got number three epicenter. Um, and I'll get into epicenter in a little bit. And then you have Chad Brown, who is the four time eclipse winner um, with Zandon. So, um, and uh, the meaning the eclipse winner, he's the trainer of the year. Um, and he's won that four times. So, um, and he, but he's never won the Kentucky Derby. So a lot of people will be rooting for, uh, for Chad Brown. He's from Mechanicburg up in, uh, up close to, uh, to Saratoga. I've um, been there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know you've been there. Um, been it's a great place to go. So if any, if any of your listeners have never been to, uh, Saratoga or to Belmont park, I'm telling you. Um, going to the track, it's the only type of sporting event where you can leave with more money than you came with. So, <laughs> I mean, the flip side is you also lose, uh, you, you, you lose money going to any sporting event, buying whatever, but uh, you're losing more money going to Yankee stadium. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, is there anybody else you want to talk about? Um, so there's a couple things you always got to worry about, um, weather. Um, with rain so that that could be that could be a problem um you got to talk about i want to talk a little bit about mattress mac who is the uh, the furniture uh, guy down in houston who always bets on the astros whenever they're in the world series lays a lot of money and does like free promotions where if the astros win he's going to give everybody a free mattress or a free set of furniture or something but uh he's going to bet probably four million dollars on one of the horses um, we don't know who that is yet, but that's going to affect uh, the odds. So uh, that that's also a story. Uh, it has been for the last couple of years. So um, 
that that's something to pay attention to. And then you got some of the jockeys, you know, Johnny Velasquez, um, Mike Smith, uh, Joel Rosario, um, you know, all accomplished jockeys, all, all riding good horses out here. And you're, all the jockeys, um, you know, there, there's nobody in there that, uh, that shouldn't be there. So, but um, I don't know if you want to get into breaking down the race or who I like or underrated. You, um, what do you want to get into next? I would say we'll get you. We'll end with your pick because I know you're very, very passionate about uh, about who you have and why you have them. Um, but I want to get into people into horses that um, could be viewed as underrated and would be good good uh, good horses and jockeys to put into some boxes. Okay. So um, I'll give you uh, one right off the bat is the number seven um, crown pride. Okay. And it's a horse, it's a horse from Japan. And typically um, horses that come in from other countries to run in the Kentucky Derby don't fare very well. However, uh, uh, the Japanese horses did extremely well in the Breeders' Cup uh, last year. And they did very well in Dubai earlier in the year. Uh, and this one in particular uh, won the, the um, UAE Derby uh, for three-year-olds. And that's how that's why this horse is in this race. So um, morning line odds of 20 to 1 on this horse. Um, I, I lost quite a bit of money with uh, Japan, not using Japanese horses in the Breeders' Cup um, because they had not done well. But this that's one that I think is um, very live and has been training very well. Um, another one that's at, at morning line 20 to 1 is a Todd Fletcher horse, who's probably the second most famous uh, trainer um, next to Bob Baffert. And um, this horse is lightly raced, but again, morning line odds of 20 to 1. Um, could could potentially be a player in this race and then um the number 15 white abario fletcher horse by chance the todd Todd fletcher uh well he's got a few but the one that i'm looking at yeah yeah the the one that i'm looking at um is the eight horse charge okay so yeah he has a he has a couple others uh pioneer medina um also in here but um those are the ones that I that I think uh, have a good shot, as well as um, Taba. That's the other um, Tim uh, Bob ex Bob Baffert horse. So Tim Yachtin um, is off the good odds. But I was saying a white Abario. I have a soft spot for this horse, and I'll probably use it um, in some exactas because uh, he won me a lot of money at Gulfstream Park earlier in the year when I was down there for the Florida Derby. Um, he won the last race and, uh, not only did I have a nice wager on him to win, but, uh, he came in first and I won, uh, the pick five that day. So my first pick five. So I will always remember white Abario. That was the horse that I was looking at. Um, I didn't even know that, that he's the one that, that won you a, a bunch of money, but that's the, that's what my pick would be. Um, to win the whole thing, I actually really, really like White Abario, uh, assuming that it's it's good racing conditions and it's not going to pour rain. So, you I, you know my pick, 
let let's get into to your pick who you think's going to win the first leg of the triple crown okay well um i'm really hoping um I'll be rooting hard for Epicenter because I played Epicenter and I, I honestly think the horse is the best horse. He's probably going to be either the favorite or the second choice, but at a decent price, probably around anywhere from, I'd be surprised if he got down to three to one, but anywhere between three to one and, and four to one, somewhere in that range. So um, I'll be using Epicenter on top of, uh, I won't be betting him to win because I already have him to win in the futures pool. So I have him. I bet this horse back in uh, January, February in the um, Kentucky Derby futures pool. So similar to like if you were going to bet the Jets to win the Super Bowl right now. Right. You know, you would get tremendous odds on that. So I bet Epicenter, I got him at about 23, 24 to 1 for a small amount. Um, you know, not a tremendous amount, but still it'll be a nice payday if um, – if epicenter were to win. So epicenter is, um, is going to be one of the horses that I will be using on all my tickets. I will probably bet that long shot from Japan to win, um, the seven horse, but, um, because he should, if the odds are right, I, I, I want to have him at at least 15 to one, probably to throw down an, a, a small wager on him. Um, but I'll also bet, um, uh, Messier, um, the Tim Yachtin, uh horse with Johnny Velasquez on that. Uh, that horse has the uh, the highest buyer speed figure um, in uh, not his last race, but the race before out at Santa Anita. The Santa Anita um, races are always good prep races for the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, last year you know, I didn't didn't pay attention much to the Bob Baffert horses last year, and um, you know that you always got to pay attention to him. Your grandfather won a nice exacta last year. I think uh, a $500 or $600 exacta right. uh, with Medina spirit. And um, I forget the horse that uh, Mandaluna, I think that came in second. Um, so that's how you can make money. That's the beauty of the Kentucky Derby Joe, uh, for, for your, your people that are listening. And it's a great value day because there is a ton of money that goes into races and um, and people betting that um, don't normally bet. So there's money spread all over on horses that really don't have any reason of winning because people like the name or they like the number. So um, you can make a lot of money on Kentucky Derby Day. I've had a couple of days where I, I, I've done pretty well on Kentucky Derby Day. Um, one of the most famous was when Smarty Jones won. We, you know, we usually have people over and uh, we do some trifectas and we won some we won some big money on, on that race. Now, that's going back a few years, but um, um, uh, you can do very well uh, on this day. And that's one of the reasons besides besides, um, you know, the excitement of, of the Kentucky Derby. But just remember, there, there's 20 horses in this race. So not always the best horse will win this race. A lot of luck is involved. None of these horses will ever run in a race with more than 14 horses, um, you know, probably not more than 12. So, you know, that's normal, normal entrance, you know, for, uh, for, for normal stakes races. So a lot of, a lot of luck involved. You have to have things uh, break your own way, but honestly, it's a wide open race. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I threw out, 
I, I have nine horses that I think have a chance to win. I, uh, there's 11 horses that I, I just said, you know, I'm not going to bother with, but I'll be making combinations with probably um, a good seven out of those nine. So, you know, should be a, should be a good race. Should be a lot of fun. But mainly you're, tar you're targeting horses like Messier, like Epicenter, uh, yes. Guadabario. Those those three are are you would say are the are your three? Well, not so much White White Barrio. I'm you know I don't honestly I don't think he has a great chance to win. Um, but I, I do think that uh, Mo Donegal, the number one, which is another Todd Fletcher horse, uh, that horse um, with Irad Ortiz on has a um, has a tremendous chance. I can't believe I, I forgot that one when I was talking about uh, Fletcher. But his other horse, Charge It, I think has a has a big shot. And um, also um, the Tanzandan, the Chad Brown horse, I think, um, you know, I'm not surprised if any of those horses win this race. So, okay. but you got to take a stand somewhere. So, you know, <laughs> you, you can't bet them all. Uh, my no. friend um, Johnny Beck said, you know, he likes to put $2 on every horse. You're, you're not going to win any money going that way. <laughs> Even though some people think that you would. No, you're not. You're not going to win that way. No, not a good strategy. Dad, thank you so much. This was so much fun and uh, best of luck Derby Day. And um, we'll definitely have you on for the other legs of the, uh, the Triple Crown. Okay. And uh, good luck to everybody out there. If, um, you know, they have any questions or anything, they can hook me up. Uh, look at me on Twitter, elova23. Um, and, uh, you know, DM me if you have a question that, about uh, strategy or something. I'd be happy to answer any questions that uh, anybody might have. Dad, thank you so much. You got it, Joe. Take care. Great job. Very proud of you. <laughs> on this side of the coin, at the fake J. Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. And, of course, this podcast. If you're new, please like, subscribe, share this podcast to anybody who you seem fit. Download the show. It means more to the show than you know. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. And blog-wise, I got two articles in the works, one net article, one Yankee article. Uh, those will be out soon-ish, but that's not the big thing here. Big thing to end this show, and this is the biggest announcement uh, of the podcast so far, uh, since I've been doing this show all the way back in 2017. And it is... This podcast is going daily. Starting May 16th, you will be able to get this podcast. It will be going up, I want to say, mid-afternoon-ish, maybe some days later, or some days earlier in terms of upload time, but it will be going up daily starting on May 16th. I am so excited. I cannot express it enough. This is the biggest jump in this podcast's history and I, I think it's the right move so again starting may 16th mark your calendars daily podcast from the from the show and it will be this format the, the last two episodes that or three episodes actually it'll be this format and I, I i hope you guys enjoy again please share this with anybody who you seem fit daily shows daily 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 shows five times a week and until then, until May 16th, it's closing time. You don't have to go home. 
but you can't stay here. Peace.